Hey, everybody. Welcome to another Ithaca Bound podcast episode. I'm your host, Andrew Schiestel, joining the show today from Turkey. And this is the podcast where we explore history and mythology in the Mediterranean basin. Today, Dr. Adrian Dulai joins the show for a conversation that's going to explore what scholars know about pottery in archaic and classical Sparta. Dr. Dulai is a scientific member at the French School at Athens, based in Greece. He's co-organizing with a past guest on the show, Emeritus Professor Stephen Hodkinson, the next International Sparta Seminar entitled Archaeology in Sparta during the Celtic Conference in Classics, which will be held in Lyon, France in July 2022. He's also a member of the Amicals Research Project, which is based in Sparta and is under the auspices of the Archaeological Society of Athens. And Dr. Dulai joins the show from Athens. Welcome to the show, Adrian. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Adrian. It's good to connect with you. Okay, so uh, archaic and classical Sparta. What time period is that when someone references archaic and classical Sparta? And can you, just so it's very clear and it's in the episode, can you go over the geographic demarcation of Sparta in that time period? Yeah, well, uh, the archaic and classical period uh, goes from the, let's say, the late late uh, 8th, early 7th century BC until the late 4th century BC. Um, and this is, uh, let's say, the acme, the golden age of uh, Sparta, uh, the, the time uh, when uh, Sparta was uh, at its, uh, let's say, wider uh, size and uh, its uh, highest uh, uh, power. Uh, so Sparta is uh, localized in uh, Laconia uh, at the south, um, southeast of uh, the Peloponnese, the Peloponnese Peninsula. And um, at this time, um, so during the Archaic and Classical period, Sparta is owning um, three... Um, two or let's say two-fifths of uh, the Peloponnese uh, and uh, Sparta is directly ruling so the two, two main uh, valleys uh, the valley of uh, Evrota, the Eurotas and uh, the valley of uh, Pamisos in uh, Messenia and uh, these two valleys are uh, the, the hearts of uh, its power and uh, from this base this uh, directly owned uh, land Sparta controls all the Peloponnese, almost all the Peloponnese, through uh, an alliance with uh, other uh, Greek city-states, such as uh, Corinth and the city of uh, Arcadia in the center of Peloponnese. So during the archaic and classical period, Sparta is the main power uh, on the, in the Greek world and especially uh, on the Greek um, mainland until uh, Athens uh, comes uh, into the game at the beginning of the 5th century BC, starting a huge uh, rivalry with uh, Sparta, ending with the Peloponnesian War. In this conversation, then, for the most part, are we focusing on two-fifths of the Peloponnese uh, Peninsula or more, more broader across the peninsula? The perspective is uh, wider because uh, since uh, we will be talking mainly about uh, pottery, uh, we don't have to think only in terms of uh, local market. Let's say that the Laconian pottery, uh, so the pottery produced in Laconia, the wider region of uh, Sparta, this pottery was produced there but uh, was also exported. And that's one of the main points with this uh, category of material. The Laconian pottery was found uh, in the whole uh, Mediterranean area from uh, the south uh, Spain, southern Spain, until the Black Sea from uh, Egypt to Sicily, Etruria. So it's, uh, I mean, some categories of uh, Laconian pottery, of Laconian vases, were uh, exported everywhere. So the scale of uh, our thoughts uh, today will be much wider than uh, Sparta itself. I'm going to have to think more because I wrote down a question called, 
and it literally says this on my sheet, was it exported? And I'm gonna have to think more in the conversation if I need to ask that question now, Adrian, with that <laughs> with that response you just provided there. <laughs> okay, sorry. No, it's all good. I'm I'm teasing. Okay, so in this context, how do you so in the context of the conversation we're having, it being a historical in the time period that you've shared, how do you define pottery? Pottery, um, Big uh, question. Pottery, let's say that it's, uh, uh, you can have uh, uh, different uh, definitions, but what we will use here, uh, it's uh, vases produced with, uh, with clay, especially with a fired clay. So it can be vases uh, turned on a wheel or not, just uh, hand, uh, handmade. But in any case, uh, the, the categories of pottery we will uh, analyze are uh, burnt, uh, fired pottery in a kiln. So, and they can be vases for daily use, for uh, for uh, cooking uh, purpose, but also for uh, um, more uh, prestige uh, purpose like for the fine wares the decorated uh, black or red uh, figured wares so yeah the, basically let's say that the, the pottery the laconian pottery we'll talk about today are uh, vases made with uh, with clay and this clay is then fired in a kiln and that's it okay so let's go there then is there major categories of pottery in this context is there is there is there a way to summarize the main types of pottery yeah you you have pottery uh, is um, one of the most important basic and most common uh, artifacts that uh, the archaeologists can use uh, it's it's essential in any uh, excavation in any study uh, whatever the period, whatever the, 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 the field, the, the country, you always have pottery. Uh, and inside this uh, big uh, field, this big um, category of pottery, you have uh, so very, very common wares uh, that you, you can find for cooking purpose, as I was uh, talking about, but you have also very fine wares and you have then transport wares uh, like uh, amphoras. Um, we won't talk uh, too much today about uh, cooking wares. We will more focus on uh, categories of pottery exported abroad. Um, so to say the fine wares, like uh, the black figured wares, so decorated uh, and uh, um, the, the most expensive uh, vases of the, of the spectrum, then we'll focus on some shapes uh, like um, the craters or the Arivali, uh, I will talk about the, that uh, later. These shapes uh, were well exported uh, throughout the Mediterranean Sea, and they were decorated with the uh, uh, black glaze. Uh, so it's quite simple, but uh, still it's fine pottery. And then you have a third category, which is very interesting, uh, but sh not uh, that well known uh, until now. This is the, um, the Laconian transport of foras. This kind of material is very interesting because there you don't only study the, the object, the container, you also study what was inside the container. So you don't uh, think only about the exportations of uh, vases, but also about exportations of wine, uh, oil, or uh, whatever was inside these uh, transport amphoras. So these will be the three main categories uh, we'll deal with uh, if we want to focus on uh, export exports. Uh, so decorated wares, um, black glazed wares, and uh, transport amphoras. The black glazed pottery, the Etruscans, as you know, are known to have created black glazed pottery as well. Is there a similarity in the process between how the Etruscans were making their pottery and how the Spartans were making their pottery? And if there is, is there any evidence that there was some type of relationship between the two communities over the years? 
you have uh, the, the technique of um, having a black cover on the vases on the fine or semi-fine wares. Um, it's quite common uh, throughout uh, the, especially in the Mediterranean. You can find that in uh, the Etruscan area, a bit, a bit everywhere. The technique, though, uh, the detail of the technique between the Etruscan way and the, uh, let's say, the Aegean way, uh, is quite uh, different. The Etruscan one is uh, called uh, Bukero, and the Greek one, the Greek technique, is called uh, Black Blaze uh, in English, and um, it's. Uh, it's different because the, the, in the Greek way, it's um, due to a process of uh, oxidation um, of, uh, of, uh, of the clay, in, of the upper part of the clay, of a glaze, in, in fact. And it's oxidation uh, happens inside the kiln. So you have this very, sometimes very thick, uh, very solid cover of, of black on the Greek vases. In the Etruscan wares, the technique is uh, different. Uh, it's smoked. Uh, I won't enter the details, but um, it's quite different in the technique. But uh, still, the, 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 the chronology is quite uh, similar. You have a lot of these products uh, in the 7th, 6th uh, century, and even later in the Etruscan area. And uh, so the, 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 even if the technique differs, um, still you have a common, uh, at least a common taste for this kind of wares, especially for fine wares, for uh, cups, for example, to, to, to drink, uh, the drinking service for the banquets, for the symposia. Um, you, you have uh, similar common points in terms of material culture, even if the technique uh, is a bit different. What do you want to say about the decorated? pottery so in this in this period of time when you say that uh one of the categories is dec decorated can you expand on that yeah the decorated uh, wares um the, this uh, terminology um applies for the black figured wares and the red figured wares so the 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 greek uh, vases uh, that uh, we know from uh, museums. This category of uh, products is our, uh, uh, let's say, uh, entrance. Uh, it's uh, our start for the study of uh, the Greek material culture. Uh, it started from the um, uh, discovery of uh, Greek uh, black and red figured vases in the in um, funerary context in graves in uh, Etruria in southern Italy during the 17th and the 18th century AD. So it's our starting point to, to, to study the whole Greek pottery. So it's what we know the best. We have a very strong, deep and ancient um, uh, history uh, of uh, scholars, of research, uh, uh, studying this kind of uh, material. Uh, dedicating their life like um, uh, Sir John Beasley from uh, Oxford, who built a uh, uh, whole methodology of uh, stylistic uh, analysis um, in order to rank, uh, to, to, to classify the, the vases, the, the images, um, to attribute some uh, scenes and uh, figures to some painters, to some workshops. So uh, these vases are the the finest wares for uh, ancient Greek pottery. They are the most well-known. They are um, the it's easiest category to date to give a chronology, thanks to stylistic analysis, but also now thanks to uh, uh, morphologic, uh, to, to typologic analysis uh, with the shape, stratigraphic analysis with the excavations, with the, let's say, the neighboring uh, material inside the, uh, archaeological uh, uh, strata, layers, and also thanks now to archaeometric analysis, uh, so let's say physical analysis uh, uh, processed on uh, the clay. So thanks to the, all these uh, informations and different 
techniques, we can now date uh, with the degree of accuracy, which is uh, uh, increasing uh, for the, the decorated pottery. And we can use that also now for uh, other kind of uh, categories, for other uh, shapes or other, for the black glaze vases, for the transport and for us. But uh, the, the decorated pottery is our uh, starting point even though now we feel uh, more and more free to, to move towards other kind of uh, vases. Was there an effort at the time for artistic representation to occur on the pottery? Yeah, you have an effort, uh, especially um that is well studied for uh, the, the export markets uh, like uh, etruria for example since we're talking about etruria uh, you have an effort uh, in terms of technique but uh, that you can find it uh, everywhere um, but also in terms of uh, adaptation to a, to a, to a demand to a specific market the clientele uh, so in Etruria, you have, uh, for example, during the second half of the sixth century, during the fifth century, you have Attic workshop, workshops uh, from Athens, which adapted their production to, to the Etrurian, uh, Etrurian taste. So you have uh, an effort uh, towards uh, the, the customers. Um, then, uh, in general, everywhere you have uh, efforts to, 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 to adapt to, to the purpose uh, of uh, the object. Uh, but the, the figured vases, um, uh, let, let's say that you have a very, very specific uh, trend that you can identify towards the foreign markets. That for these markets, uh, the producers, uh, they can really adapt. And that's very interesting uh, for us because it shows how how much the, the painters, the potters, uh, they could uh, adapt uh, to, 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 the, to the customers. So in terms of um, um, history and archeology span of exchanges, history of uh, economy, it's also very interesting for us. What's known about who made the pottery? Ah, very good uh, question. Uh, that's a big uh, issue, a big debate. Um, in uh, between the scholars. Uh, it depends of uh, the periods. It depends uh, also of the city. So we will talk only about the period we are dealing now. So the archaic and classical period in uh, ancient Greece, especially in Sparta. One of the biggest question raised uh, by the, the, the production process uh, is the relation between pr production and um, status. Uh, in other terms, could citizens have produced uh, these uh, vases? Could citizens be craftsmen? For the case which is the, 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 the most well-known uh, to us, uh, Athens, we know that uh, you could, uh, that you had uh, citizens uh, working in uh, workshops in, uh, as craftsmen. But you could have also metoikoi, so foreigners uh, uh, permanently established in Athens. You could have also slaves. You could have the, the question of the involvement of uh, women, women is uh, more difficult to, to track because uh, in other civilizations, in other uh, uh, fields, it's well established that you, you had women. In Greece, you have, we have signatures on uh, many vases, and these uh, names are uh, masculine names. So we attributed the, the whole production to, to men. But now, thanks to uh, archaeo-anthropological archae analysis of uh, bones, uh, we discover more and more that you could have also uh, women, uh, women butters. So you could have also women involved in the, in the process. And to talk more specifically about Sparta, uh, one of the 
biggest uh, questions is could Spartan men uh, be craftsmen? Because Sparta is, uh, let's say, a Greek city as the others, but also a very specific city, uh, specific police, in the sense that you have a very, very uh, high degree of uh, idealization and of distortion, distortion of the historic um, uh, discourse on uh, ancient Sparta. Uh, even the ancients uh, from the 5th century BC, at least, were fascinated by Sparta. Uh, the Athenians, especially because the main uh, part of our knowledge on uh, Sparta through texts, through literary sources, are from uh, Athens. But so the, the general trend for production and uh, status in the Greek world was that um, it wasn't forbidden for a citizen to be a potter, let's say. But manual uh, work, manual craftsmanship is uh, quite often uh, uh, neglected, is quite often uh, uh, disdained in the literary sources. But it's also because our uh, written sources are uh, from a specific uh, sociological world. This is not the, the world of uh, uh, craftsmen. Uh, the main part are from a very elite uh, rank, and they, they disdain the, the, the manual workers. And Sparta is supposed to be the most aristocratic, the most oligarchic, oligarchic um, uh, city of ancient Greece. And we have one source, written source, which says that it was forbidden to, for ancient Spartans to work with their hands, with their own hands. Um, you have a lot of debates about that. I will not enter the details, but uh, since some scholars believe that Spartans couldn't work with their own hands, the, the question is who was producing these vases? So you have two other categories of candidates, the helots, which, who were the semi-slaves uh, of uh, ancient Sparta, uh, but helots are, uh, as far as we know, mainly used uh, for, uh, as a, let's say, uh, farming uh, workers, farming slaves. So the other category are the perioikoi. The perioikoi are literally the men around Sparta. So they are the communities not enslaved, but dominated by Sparta in Laconia and in Messenia, so in southern Peloponnese. They are free, but they are not independent. They are uh, autonomous uh, locally, but they're not totally independent. And these people are supposed to be the craftsmen on uh, ancient Sparta. But this very, uh, let's say, functionalist approach doesn't work uh, totally. So the, the case uh, is still open, at least for me, but uh, also for other scholars. But that's a very big uh, issue in Sparta, the question of the producers. Okay. In this period, was pottery ever used to tell or communicate stories? Yeah, at least uh, the decorated wares, um, but also the non-decorated wares in a way, because uh, to, to, to start first with the decorated ways, the black and red the figured vases, uh, they carry images, they, they represent the people, figures, um, sometimes from uh, mythology, sometimes not, sometimes uh, uh, mythological uh, figures are used uh, in a, a more uh, tricky way to say something else than uh, the, the known myth uh, from uh, the written sources. Sometimes the versions of the myth we have is different from the written sources, and that's uh, uh, another story that we discover through the through the images. But yeah, the the, the vases, the decorated vases, are um, totally a, a, a medium to to communicate. Uh, but it's not a propaganda tool. It's not a propaganda medium. It's a useful for us as uh, historians, archaeologists, is, it's useful to study in order to understand the uh, system of uh, representations, the system of uh, mentalities. 
um, how, what were uh, the ancient Greeks uh, thinking, uh, what these images uh, were meaning uh, to them. So it's very interesting to study the images uh, in correlation with the shape of the vase and uh, with the context of the vase. For example, uh, if you find a crater um, with images in a banquet context, it's, it's meaningful. Any, why? Because the crater is a shape of a big vase to mix the wine, because the ancient Greeks were mixing uh, the wine with uh, some water. Uh, for different reasons, for the degree of alcohol, for the consistency of uh, of um, of uh, the, the wine, uh, which was uh, thicker, and also uh, mixing the wine was a cultural marker. Greeks were mixing the wine. Civilized people were mixing the wines. Barbarians were not. So finding a crater with, a, let's say, a scene of um, uh, banquet uh, of a symposium uh, on it inside uh, a room, a domestic room for uh, uh, ban banqueters. It's called uh, uh, Andreon. This kind of association is very meaningful to understand the, the image because then you have the whole uh, symbolic, the whole semantic system uh, which is uh, revealed. So, for example, finding a uh, a um, couple of scenes, um, one of uh, on one side of the vase and, and the other uh, on the other side, is a um, very meaningful. Uh, for example, a scene with good um, uh, banqueters, good drinkers, very civilized, uh, re uh, lying down on the uh, couches. And on the other side, you, you can have, it's quite uh, uh, common, this kind of association, you can have uh, drunk um, uh, gr banqueters um, who behave badly, wrongly. Uh, the uh, graphic convention is different. They are uh, quite often naked. Uh, they are fatter. They are dancing or having totally... Um, raw movements so they don't behave as they should and why B because of the wine because they have been too far so this kind of discourse through the image is a very characteristic of uh, the, the, the use uh, by ancient greeks of uh, images and uh, material culture to, to 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 tell a story to 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 um, to tell us something about how to behave, about cultural values and cultural norms. So on one side, you have what you should do, drink reasonably, and on the other, what, how you will look like if you don't follow the rules of uh, the banquet, of symposium. Interesting. Did, does any pottery survive that are telling a story or communicating a particular idea that scholars believe relates to the Homeric epics in some way? Uh, yeah. Um, first, um, images, especially on uh, black and red figured vases, are not directly linked, almost never, to um, specific events, to historical events. I mean, it's very rare to not say almost impossible to link uh, the scene of a battle to a specific battle, to a date, to a specific event. This is not the purpose of uh, vases. Vases, especially decorated vases, are quite often linked to uh, the consumption of wine. So this is not, uh, this is not a, a, a book of uh, history. But for the Homeric word, for the epic word, yes, because these uh, wars, the Homeric uh, battles, uh, the Iliad and the Odyssey, um, even though ancient Greeks were believing in a way that they, were, they happened, this is not a very specific historical event that you can link with facts and to um, a short uh, memory or to recent history, let's say. So, 
this is a kind of a historical and cultural horizon for ancient Greeks. This is uh, the, the, the background of uh, their history. Even though it's uh, idealized, even though uh, the, the men there are uh, heroes, even though gods are uh, intervening directly in the events, which for us can be strange and totally unhistorical, for ancient Greeks, it's the cultural and historical background. And you have a lot of uh, direct references to this background in uh, the ancient Greek culture in general, in texts, but also in material culture and especially in images, especially on uh, the, the iconography on uh, black and red figured vases, more uh, in the black figured vases, I, I would say, because they are a, a stock, a reservoir of um, stories, a stock of very well-known figures, of very well-known episodes that you can use and reuse, that you can combine, that you can modify and play with. So, for example, if you want to talk about, uh, about uh, hunting, you can use the story of... Uh, Meleager, uh, Atalanta, and the hunt of uh, Calidon, Calidonia, uh, which is a very well-known story. It's not directly linked to, to, to the Homeric uh, episode, uh, but it's just uh, as an example, you can use these kind of uh, stories to, to talk about uh, ancient hunting. And with the Homeric episodes, it's the same. If you want to, to talk about bravery, about courage, you will pick something, uh, you will pick something up inside this, uh, this stock of uh, big uh, heroes, very famous uh, warriors, as uh, examples for your own period. And you can see that uh, happening, uh, for example, uh, in the, during the Peloponnesian War or just after the um, uh, Persian Wars. The, the, the painters use images from the Iliad, the Iliad to talk about their own, I mean, the, the, the issues and the debates of their, uh, contem their uh, contemporaries, um, uh, citizens, their, uh, their uh, co-citizens. Co um, so if you want to, to talk about bravery in the battle against the Persians or against the Spartans or the Athenians, you can use the stock of uh, images of the, 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 the Iliad and the, the Odyssey. So yeah, you have these kind of direct references, uh, but always in, it's something that we have to understand in terms of uh, cultural history and not of, cultural, of uh, chronological uh, history. Yeah, and what I was getting at with my question wasn't necessarily the degree of historicity that comes through as a result of the findings. But as, as you know, before the Homeric epics were written down, there's large consensus that the, the stories or versions of the stories were told in, in different ways and in different mediums. So I'm curious if any aspects of those stories were told through pottery in this period. You mentioned in your, in your response, as an example, the Maligar, which I found interesting, the Maligar example with the ancient hunting. So in some of those examples, so you did cite some different things there, Adrian. So does that show up in this period in any pottery cited to Sparta, these, these um, snippets, if you will, that could be linked uh, not necessarily directly to the Homeric epic, but perhaps their people, their people for, that were written about in the Homeric ep epics, like a, a Maligar or a, an Achilles, etc. Yeah, definitely. Uh, in general, in the especially in the archaic period, in the black uh, figured wares, uh, you you have these kind of phenomenon. And let's talk uh, about uh, Sparta as an example. Uh, you see in the Laconian pottery, in the, especially in the fig, figured uh, pottery, how uh, much the, 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 
the epic world, the mythology works, as I was saying, as a background. Um, you can uh, find a yeah, direct link to, to, to the written sources, but uh, let's not forget that these written sources are just a version of uh, myth. Mythology, we, we have a tendency, it, it's a big trend uh, for, for us, to, to, to believe that the mythology and the Greek religion, uh, also in general, um, have that you have one version. But the, 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 the mythology is uh, much more plastic, flexible, adaptable. You have a lot of different versions through time, through geography, through places. And we have to, 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 to put aside our uh, 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 mind, which is... Um, our monotheist uh, mind, which believes that stories come from uh, one uh, authorized version of one book. It doesn't work like that for um, uh, ancient Greek mythology. And when you understand that, uh, it's much more interesting to, to study because you understand that you have a lot of different versions inside the texts and uh, that they don't, uh, they don't fit a lot of them, or not totally, let's say. And then when you take a look, when you, you, you look more specifically at the images on the vases, you can see that some fit directly with the contemporary uh, stories, uh, some they don't. The Iliad and the Odyssey, they were written uh, in the, between the, the, the late 8th um, to 7th century BC. The, the, the written version, per, you have a much older background transmitted through oral uh, transmission behind, but the written versions are not that old uh, compared to uh, the, the, the vases of the 7th and of the 6th century BC. And inside these vases, even though the, the, the chrono chronological gap is not that big, you see that you have different versions running at the same time. And that the, the, the painters, they feel free to play with these versions. They feel free even to create their own versions uh, to, 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 to play with the myth. The myth is, uh, is really plastic and you can see uh, iconographic uh, puns uh, in, uh, in uh, the iconography of uh, ancient Greek vases. Uh, I don't have an example right now uh, in my mind, uh, but you can see that they, 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 they play with the humor uh, uh, mechanisms. So, for example, you have a very standard scene uh, of, uh, of uh, heroes, uh, but they change, the, the painters, uh, they change uh, the, the rules, they change the... the, the um, they introduce one element which will uh, change everything. Uh, I'm trying to, to, to think of uh, an example inside the uh, Laconian pottery, uh, but without the image, uh, what I have in mind, it will not be very conclusive. Um, but I have another example in, in mind, a very well-known example from uh, Attic pottery, where you can see uh, the two heroes of the, of the Iliad, uh, Ajax and uh, Achille, uh, Achilleus, uh, playing together uh, to, to, to dice. Uh, this scene is not at all known through written sources. We have no clue about that. And you see them, it's uh, on several vases uh, inside the, the, the attic pottery. You see them uh, sitting, facing each other, playing the game on a, on a kind of table on a flat area and it's very symmetrical in the composition but the painters they introduce some kind of uh, dissymmetry between um, uh, Achilleus and uh, Ajax like uh, the helmet uh, like uh, the, the, the high of uh, the characters um, and it's because in the myth Ajax is a uh, a wannabe uh, Achilleus, but is not, and is uh, he, he dies uh, in shame. So 
a small dissymmetry introduced in the, the image uh, is a kind of iconographic uh, pun to, 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 to emphasize uh, something that we know from uh, written sources. Uh, without the image, it's uh, quite difficult uh, to, to explain. But uh, for example, that would be more, uh, uh, visually it would be more efficient. You can see on these scenes with uh, Ajax and uh, Achilleus that um, they have, uh, both of them, shields. These shields are put on the walls and the shield of, uh, of uh, Achilleus has nothing specific. Or uh, it's, uh, you have a decoration, but which doesn't say much. But quite often, the episema, so the decoration on the shield of uh, Ajax, is uh, the face of the Gorgon. It's a Gorgoneon, uh, seen, frontally, uh, seen uh, frontally. And that is the face of death. And it's also the death uh, laughing at you. And it's because Ajax will die uh, in a very sad way, uh, in shame. So it's like the, the painter is making fun in a way of, uh, of uh, Ajax, or ironically telling him that you will die and you will not have the same death as uh, your uh, partner in the game. And since they are playing dice, uh, it has a very deep uh, uh, meaning. So, so yeah, you, you, you can have this kind of plays uh, through images uh, with the myth that you cannot find in the, in the text. And so they, they add new knowledge to what we know from uh, ancient uh, written sources. Yeah, what you just um, finished there with Adrian was similar to the comment I was going, going to make. And I find that area interesting where we have certain texts that tell a story, but then it's presumed that those stories were told in that way, perhaps in different ways, um, perhaps entirely new stories prior to the written text or just certain texts not surviving. So I find that this area interesting where you can look at other mediums like pottery in this case, and perhaps it tells um, a different side to a story or a new story or expands on a story of and and, and helps understand better what uh, people in this case um, Spartans were thinking about in this uh, period of time. What's your favorite or most memorable piece of pottery in this period and why? Uh, I would say that it's um... It's a vase uh, that we have found uh, during uh, the excavations we carry out at, uh, in Sparta, at uh, the sanctuary of uh, uh, Apollo Amicleos, the, the, the so-called uh, Amiclion sanctuary, um, because, because we, we found it uh, ourselves. And uh, uh, let's say that during an excavation, the black figured pottery is not, uh, I mean, the decorated pottery in general is not uh, the rule. Uh, for uh, one shirt with a figure on it, you find uh, thousands of uh, common wares. They are as, as important as the decorated pottery, but uh, finding uh, black figured or red figured wares is uh, something you remember, especially in Sparta, because we don't know much about uh, this decorated uh, pottery. Um, inside the uh, Sparta itself. And this vase is very small. It's uh, Narivalos. Uh, Narivalos, it's a uh, very, it's a closed shape, like a small bottle, let's say, uh, which can be uh, globular or not. This one wasn't. It was uh, with a pointy, pointy foot. It looks a bit uh, like, a, like a jar, a very small jar of uh, five centimeters high. And this jar was uh, broken in, uh, it's uh, incomplete and it's broken in four pieces, if I remember well. And on it, you have a frieze of, um, of uh, three oplites, of three Greek warriors. And you have also something which looks like a gryphon. Uh, so, um, uh, mythological uh, beast. Uh, characteristic from the orientalizing uh, phenomenon, uh, which is uh, 
very characteristic of the 7th century BC with the imaginary animal, fantasy animal. And it was nothing, uh, the, this vase, because it's not very beautiful. It's figured, but it's very simple. It's uh, just uh, an outline of uh, warriors. But this is one of the most ancient uh, depiction of uh, hoplites in the Laconian, in the Spartan material culture, in the Spartan iconography, uh, at least four vases, four decorated vases. So it was something quite unexpected, uh, quite rare, and quite important for us to, to, to understand the chronology, the history of uh, ancient Spartan pottery, and also the history of, uh, of the site. And uh, really, it's not very impressive, but I remember the, the day we, we understood by cleaning it uh, with a toothbrush and some uh, water, that uh, it was a freeze of uh, hoplite. Uh, it, it was a very nice uh, memory for uh, the, the whole team, the whole team uh, of ceramologists, at least, <laughs> specialized in the uh, archaic period. Okay. So I think this might be the closing question, Adrian. I guess it depends on yeah. your, I guess it depends on your response. <laughs> if I have uh, just if I can make a remark uh, because it's uh, popping in my mind uh, just right now yes. uh, about what we were saying about the plasticity uh, of uh, ancient uh, myth uh, and the, the especially in the in iconography. Um, I had the parallel which uh, came uh, into my mind uh, right now. We can see this kind of phenomena uh, as something similar to to the memes in the uh, modern culture in a, on the social medias, for example. Uh, the fact that um, ancient painters could reuse a very well-known myth, reuse a very well-established um, composition, a very well-established scheme uh, of um, of a myth in, in the iconography. I mean, the the way the scene was uh, constructed, you you have very characteristic standardized depictions. Uh, some painters were playing with that and just changing one element, changing the the tone of the of the scene to create a humoristic uh, effect, uh, a small disruption. And uh, in a sense, these kinds of uh, disruptions are very close to the, uh, the mechanism behind the, the memes on the social medias uh, today. Uh, end of the, of the parenthesis. Okay. I'm going to title this uh, <laughs> closing question. I think it's the closing question. I'm going to title it inflection point. So what was the inflection point for you, Adrian? Do you recall at what point you made the decision that you would focus your career as an archaeologist on the study of pottery? Were you were you someone as a as a child? Did you make that decision that you would focus on on, on this career path? Was there a certain um, instructor or professor that showed up? Was is there something else? Is do you recall the inflection point when you made this decision? Uh, there are uh, several. Uh, first, I was, uh, when I was a child, I was uh, fond of uh, history, uh, archaeology, especially of uh, antiquity. Uh, and uh, I was saying when I was a kid, uh, I will become uh, an archaeologist. Uh, and at some point, I wanted to become uh, an Egyptologist. Then I kept uh, the love for history, the, the patient. But when I... Uh, I finished the high school. Uh, it was just a, it, it became just a patient, and uh, I wanted to do something else. Uh, I moved uh, towards the uh, studies of uh, ancient, uh, ancient, of uh, sorry, of uh, shipping, international shipping. That's something uh, I was very interested in. And uh, there is the second inflection point. After uh, one month of uh, courses, I said, uh, "Okay, there is no way I go back to history, uh, or I will." Uh, regret it forever. Uh, so I started the, 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 
my studies in, uh, in history. And during my third year, during the undergraduate, I had a course uh, uh, made by one of my, of my professors, uh, Pierre Sineux, who th this course was about the ancient Sparta during the archaic period. Uh, through the poetry of Tirteus, uh, um, the Spartan uh, poet of the archaic period with a uh, poetry dedicated to, to war. And it's the beginning of the construction of what we call the Spartan mirage, the, the idealization of uh, Sparta. And I was very interested in understanding what we know about Sparta, what we think about Sparta, and um, how much we idealize it. And uh, then, uh, this, after some discussions with uh, my professor, I understood that there was something to do with the archaeology, and especially with pottery, because historians are uh, fighting uh, for uh, uh, centuries uh, now about ancient Sparta, uh, using written sources. And now, thanks to the, the, the work of archaeologists, uh, especially the work of a British archaeologist uh, in, uh, at the beginning of the 20th century, and now, thanks to the work of uh, the F-8 of antiquities in uh, Sparta and Laconia, we have a lot of new da data. And this, uh, these new informations are not used enough uh, by uh, historians and uh, archaeologists. And I wanted to, to combine the, the written sources and the archaeological data to, to, to understand better, uh, especially the, the transition between the 6th and the 5th century BC, uh, which is a very, uh, let's say, decisive uh, period for, uh, for ancient Sparta. So that's how uh, I moved uh, towards uh, yeah, the field, different uh, inflections. And the last one uh, was when I joined uh, the Amicles Research Project in Sparta, because uh, starting doing excavations in Sparta and Laconia itself, uh, and finding the, 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 the wares, finding the, 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 the artifacts I was uh, uh, only knowing uh, from, from books before, uh, it changed uh, a lot of things, and it ch I, when I joined the project, I was a young uh, PhD uh, student, and uh, it changed uh, my whole uh, perspective, and it became much more uh, archaeologic. So, yeah, a series of inflections, um, thanks to different uh, professors. Okay. It was great chatting with you today, Adrian. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Andrew. So again, everybody, the couple projects that I mentioned at the start of the episode that Dr. Dulai is involved in, the upcoming International Sparta Seminar entitled Archaeology in Sparta, and the Amicals Research Project. I'll drop links to both the projects in the show notes on the Ithacabound.com's associated subpage to this episode. Adrian and everybody listening, as always, wishing you a marvelous journey. Bye for now. Thank you. Be best. Hey again, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast and I wish you a bountiful rest of your day. Bye for now.